Um, so yeah, I'll just start off by saying, honestly, um, the first time I even remember knowing Jesus was when I was just really little. So, um, my, my mom started taking me to church when I was four years old. My brother was like barely one and, um, we, we attended a tiny little church in Omaha, Nebraska, and that's where I stayed my whole life. And, um, so I've got many memories there. Um, yeah, honestly, my story is interesting in the sense that I was just talking to Daniel about this, about how, um, growing up in the church for some people, uh, has, it's, it's a challenge, it's challenging in some ways. And I think it was challenging for me, but it was such a beautiful thing in my life. Um, the type of support that I had behind me in my home church with like Sunday school classes and all the adults supporting me along the way, I really grew to know who Jesus was, um, based on the community there. So I guess that's where I'll start is I honestly, since the time I can remember that I just, I know Jesus. (laughs) That was Brig Norton. This is Erica Henry, and you're listening to week five of our testify series on the Holy District podcast. Brooke, do you happen to know why your mom decided to start taking you guys to church? That's a good question. So um, my mom grew up Lutheran. My dad grew up Catholic. So, you know, back back in the day, I don't know, maybe it's still this way, but, uh, you know, that was those were very different denominations. Um, and I think my parents kind of quit going to church for like a little while, um, right when they had kids. And then my mom was like, okay, I need to get my kids through the door of a church and I want to raise them in the Christian faith. And so, um, I was actually going to uh, a childcare and she met a mom through the childcare and the mom was like, Hey, you should come to my church. And so she did, she brought the two of us and the rest is history. So my dad actually didn't come along to church with us until I was in about fourth grade. And then he started attending with us. So here you are a strong woman in the faith, following Jesus, planting a community. And your mom is a strong woman who brought her kids to church. And because a mom that she met invited her to church. I think that's pretty cool. Yep. Yep. I love that. All right, cool. That I was just, that was a curiosity. So from the time you were a toddler pre-K age, you were in the church. How did you meet Jesus there? What was that like for you? Yeah, I think honestly, um, it's been split up between multiple moments over time. Um, I remember being like in the third grade in like a Sunday school class, getting the whole gospel presentation, you know, kind of presented to me and, um, excuse me, moments for just being able to kind of commit my life to Christ. But I really don't think I fully understood what that meant until I was in um, junior high and high school. So I would say the the youth group, I guess, that I grew up in really contributed to how I started to know Jesus. So um, 
I remember being in a study, I think it was when I was a junior in high school. Um, we did the study Crazy Love by Francis Chan, um, which I can't even believe that that book has been written so long ago at this point. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I feel people, I feel like people still read this book, but um, we did a study with my youth group and I just remember being like, oh my gosh, Jesus really loves me. Mm-hmm. And um, it wasn't like this lukewarm thing anymore where I was like, I'm going to have one foot in and one foot out. It was like, oh, I think I'm going to radically pursue who Jesus is. And um, then I ended up going to summer camp that summer, like a big youth conference. And there was like a message on surrender. (laughs) And I was like, okay, this is like a theme this year. Um, And I never looked back. So those, those are kind of the little moments along the way. Again, I don't know if it was like one concrete moment, but over, over the years, that's, those are kind of the decisions that I made to follow Jesus. So a theme that's come up for some of us during this series so far is how how our understanding of Jesus or our relationship to Jesus has changed from those early days of how we came to start following Jesus to now as we've matured and stayed on the journey. Have you noticed any changes in, in your relationship to Jesus from that you know junior, junior year of high school, Brooke, to where you are today? Yeah. You know, I think initially when you choose to follow Jesus, like it's kind of this like first love. It's very exciting. It's very much like, okay, I'm going to go all in. And I, I definitely did for, for a season. Um, and then life just kind of happens, you know, you get older, you grow up. Uh, I went to college, I got married really young and, um, life is complicated. And so, I think for me, a part of my story has always been um, thinking that I don't have like a whole lot of confidence. And so I think the way that Jesus has manifested in my life over time has has been to restore that kind of confidence, that kind of boldness um, mm-hmm. that I lost as a kid. And even in adulthood, like I experienced days where I'm like, oh my gosh, why would anybody like me or listen to me, or I just don't have eloquent words to speak, or, you know, I'm not very um, academic in my language, you know, all these things, all these lies that I tell myself. And so I feel like for me, Jesus has really helped solidify um, the fact that he has created me on purpose, created me as me, created Mm -hmm. old, but also soft. And to have that balance. Um, I'm learning to live in that a little bit more. Can you think of a story where Jesus helped you to develop that? Obviously, like you said, it's been over years. It's yeah. been you know, this ongoing process, but is there any story that's coming to the surface right now that kind of demonstrates that experience that you've been yeah. having? Yeah. Um, gosh. You know, okay, so I've been in ministry now for, gosh, I don't even know, since 2010, 12 years. <clears throat> so I jumped into um, going to ministry and be a pastor. And I think specifically where this has really um, intersected with my life is the way that I pastor. Um, 
And I really, so I don't know if there's like a specific story per se, but a lot of it was like, can I be this um, type of person that is fun and attractive and has good language um, that can be on a stage and entertain people? But really, that's not what a pastor is whatsoever. (laughs) You know, a pastor is somebody who cares for their flock, who cares for their people, who can um, bring unity, bring love, bring understanding, listen well. And all of those things are me. But I had to get to a point where I could recognize that um, and sit confidently in that. So um, it really wasn't until recently, I would say even over the last couple of years, as I've explored who I am and even just our friendship. I mean, Erica has helped me so much just over the last few years. You know, she used to live in Arizona and we were in the same um, group that met together every Monday night and this theme would come up. And so um, even diving into the Holy District has really helped me realize, oh my gosh, being a pastor is really just like shepherding your people well, loving people well, listening and um, giving them spiritual direction, you know? So I would say confidence uh, has been, yeah, one of those things that it's a lifelong struggle. Every day is different. I'm about to be a mom too. (laughs) I'm literally giving birth and I don't know, three weeks. It could come any day. Uh, yeah. Um, and so it. some days I'm like, oh my gosh, God, do I even have the ability to be a mom? Um, some days I'm like, I don't know. Am I just going to like tap out and be frustrated and um, all these things? Do I have what it takes? Mm-hmm. Um, but then God whispers to me, yes, Brooke. <laughs> yes, Brooke, you're going to be a wonderful mom you're going to have the the boldness and the gentleness equally involved in order to be able to mother your child. So, yeah. As, as you were kind of giving that, comparing and contrasting, maybe some typical conceptions of what a pastor is in our kind of white evangelical kind of mega church culture whenever people think of a pastor, they do, you know, you think of if you're in that world, the Andy Stanley's and, you know, these very charismatic, dynamic people that just are, they're so eloquent and funny and, and they capture your attention and they're great speakers and, um, this kind of celebrity culture that's really developed. And then you started to say, well, but that's not necessarily what a pastor is. And you started to describe a shepherd. And here we have one of the dominant metaphors about who Jesus is in the scriptures is that he's the great shepherd. You know, Jesus talks about himself that way and to, for you to find yourself in that image and to say, and say, I don't need to be a rock star. I don't need to be this center of attention. I don't need to be this winsome, you know, crazy, attractive, entertaining person. I'm called to be a pastor and I'm already wired to nurture, protect, um, support, unify, bring peace. And I can do that. It's like, yeah, you follow Jesus. And that's what, that's a huge part of how Jesus mm-hmm. even saw it. Yeah. Which I think is pretty cool. Well, and I look back on my church experience and I didn't, I didn't have any of that like sexy preaching <laughs> for lack of a better word. Yeah. I just, um, the 
the people who pastored me to be able to fall in love with Jesus and commit my life to this thing. I mean, they were people that cared for me, people that um, invested in me long term, people that got coffee with me, <laughs> people that um, literally asked me, you know, how I was really doing and took yeah. me aside to really care for that part of me. Um, and I think that really was able to be nurtured in my home church. And maybe that's why I am a little bit the way that I am is because that was really nurtured in my home church. I didn't really have this whole, like, I'm going to go to church and listen to this, like, preacher, um, and then I'm going to leave. It was it was just very different. The, the community was um, very unified in that way. Softly and tenderly, Jesus is calling, calling for you. So can you describe to me what, what was that like? So you journeyed away from a very nurturing community that you have mostly positive experiences that you reflect on, you know, as we work with and we pastor who are dealing with an, an immense amount of church trauma and church hurt and spiritual abuse. You know, that's something that you and I talk about a lot where you say, that's just not been my experience. You know, my experience was pretty much the opposite. So you left that environment and then you found yourself moving into, it sounds like almost, you know, the opposite or a very, very different kind of culture. Yeah. And yeah. so you, that you kind of started to believe was the right way or what, what was that like for you moving from one church culture into another church culture? And how did you find your way through that? Yeah, I think part of it started with, um, okay, so then I, I moved to Arizona and um, I started working for just a, a larger church. And um, I think part of me felt like I was lost in the numbers. <laughs> like it took, it took a long time to really get to know people um, and really develop relationships with people. But then when I started working on behalf of, of a church that was really big, you know, comparison is such a huge thing in my life. And I think that had, had always been there but it was just amplified because there were like more people to compare myself to and um, more people perhaps celebrated for, um, for their correct language or correct way of doing things or whatever the perceived correct way was um, mm -hmm. of doing things. And so not that that experience was all bad because it definitely wasn't, um, you know, I became a youth pastor for several years and I absolutely loved it. Um, but when I was youth pastoring, I really prided myself in knowing the kids, like really, really knowing what was going on behind the scenes with um, some of these kids. And so I would look for ways to find opportunities to uh, find the teens, perhaps in the corner that were on their phones or just disengaged because I just, I know what that's like. 
to feel like you're comparing yourself against lots and lots of people. So, um, yeah, so that journey was tough. I think comparison was a huge thing for me. And, um, again, I had to listen to, uh, one of my favorite Bible verses. I think it's second Timothy. Don't quote me on that, but I think it's second Timothy one seven. And it talks about how God doesn't give us a spirit of timidity, but one of love, power, and self-discipline. And that's really, I've tried to embody that in my life. Um, God has given me love, power, self-discipline to be able to go out and love others so that they don't feel lost either or lost in the crowds. So yeah, I would say that journey was, was tough. And then of course I came out of that, um, that work environment and now I'm within the Holy district and it's again, a little bit, um, refocused that the focus is just different. And so, um, I'm learning to navigate again, just how to pastor well and pastor people and listen and, and love. Mm. I, one thing that I'm hearing as you're sharing your story is that the way that God made you and nurtured you through your growing up experience, never left, even whenever right. it was kind of under fire or being celebrated or, um, honored in the way that maybe we would, we would hope or, um, would have been supportive of you. And even now you still, like you said, you still have that voice in your head that says, you can't do this. You're not, you know, you're not as good Mm -hmm. or you're not. And Jesus, Jesus's word to you is yes, you can. Yes. Mm -hmm. This is how I made you. Yes. This is on purpose. And I, God's yes is such a beautiful thing to experience because uh, in my experience, even as a woman in ministry and, you know, what that's like, that's something that we really share in common, even though our personalities are very different. And, you know, some of the things that you're talking about to be, to receive knows just, right. just based on that you're, are not in your control. Whenever you feel this really deep call from God to, to be a particular way in the world yeah. and to serve and to pastor and to lead, um, and to do it the way that you are not to become some other kind of person, but to, to be fully yourself and to be obedient to God and to, to be getting no's and shut doors and uh, limitations placed on is really, it can be very debilitating and it's discouraging to say the least. Mm -hmm. And to, you know, something that really resonates with me that you're saying to be able to listen to that voice from Jesus that says, everyone may say no, but I'm saying yes. And that it takes faith. It takes faith. You, it takes trust to really believe God when he says that to you, when, when God tells you I'm saying yes, even though other people are saying no, I don't know if this is true to your experience. Have you ever felt like, okay, then why can't I do it? Like, why aren't things around me changing? Why is not this getting better? Um, but for me, it's over time, things did change or God brought me out of one place and into a different place. Does that, does that, strike any chords with you or bring, does that resonate at all? Yeah, it totally does. I mean, I, you know, you can relate to this, but being a, a woman in ministry is, is difficult. It's hard, you know, um, people compare you against just the many, many men out there that are, you know, leading in the church and doing things in the church. And so, yeah, I definitely can relate to some of the things um, that you're saying. And uh, again, part, I, I might've alluded to this on another podcast. I'm not even sure, but 
the way I grew up, I actually had a woman pastor, um, my, my whole life, uh, not my whole life, but my early formative years, uh, in, in the church when I was younger. And then when I decided to, um, go to college and actually want to be a pastor, you know, for me, I was pretty confident in that. (laughs) And then I went to college, went to Bible college and I was told something opposite. And then I was like, wait, what? (laughs) And then the comparison kicked in. Um, and then getting a a job in just a different church, a different church environment. Um, yeah, like it was, it was, it was hard to be able to, it's almost like you needed to prove yourself. And I just couldn't fake that. Like I couldn't force any of that at all. Um, cause I just wanted to be me and it would come off so unnatural if I tried to force being something that I wasn't. I remember coming home and telling, uh, Daniel, my husband, just like, I just want to be me. You know, I'd like cry and just be like, how do I do that in these environments? Um, cause as a woman, you kind of do feel like you have to prove yourself a little bit more that you can do it. Um, but gosh, yeah, God just, he, he gets into those still small moments and he's like, but you can do this. Like, it's not a matter of, um, like if you can, it's a matter of when you choose to be yourself. Wow. So, yeah. And we all have a a little bit of a different journey and timetable of finding ourselves in that place where we're ready to take the risk to say, I'm going to be who God has made me to be. And if that, and whatever it takes for me to live that way is what I'm willing to do, whatever Mm -hmm. cost, whatever sacrifice, whatever risk, whatever, you know, unknown, um, I'm, it's, it's worth it to me to, to get full, whole self. And I I think that's an opportunity that being a woman called to ministry that we get to, um, to meet earlier, maybe than, than others, because we don't fit the mold right off the bat in a lot of settings. And so I think it forces itself, um, upon us a little sooner. And I, it's been my joy to be your friend, you know, along this journey. And we've been going through a similar, but different journey when it comes to, to that of when am I going to decide to stop proving myself and just be myself and where and how, yeah. you know, is that going to happen? Yeah. Well, I think too, like in order to find who you are, it takes a lot of self-exploration and a lot of reliance on God. Um, I, I had to do a lot of self, um, reflection on like, well, who, who am I really? Um, I think I should be this way or society tells you that you should be a little bit louder or be a little bit more outgoing, or they kind of give introverts a hard time in life. (laughs) And so. you kind of have to just take moments to say, okay, am I going to uh, get away and, and go on a walk? Am I going to go up to a mountain and, and really reflect with God? Am I going to bring people around me to be able to share with me like who I actually am? I remember doing this actually a couple of years ago. I sent a text to some friends and I was like, Hey, can you just like share with me some gifts that you think that I have? And that felt very backwards for me because it's like almost like I'm asking for people's appraise, you know, praise mm-hmm. of me. Yeah. Um, but I really wanted to know like what other people saw in me that I just couldn't see myself. And mm-hmm. so um I think doing that was really helpful. And I think investing in um like coaching. I'm also um 
a coach as well, like a spiritual coach. And so even going through that process and letting people really um, share with me how I can move forward has has helped me see me the way God created me. Otherwise, I don't know that I could have gotten there on my own. Yeah. And I think that's another uh, lie that we can believe that's kind of cultural for America is that we have to do things on our own. Like the only true victory is the one that is won by yourself without any help, without any outside resourcing, like just you, I did it. I pulled myself up by my bootstraps and I put it out. Um, but I, I think that's just a myth. Uh, I think that is actually not possible for anyone to achieve any sort of peace, wholeness, meaningful success, uh, just using their own, you know, what does that even mean? Even I, I wouldn't be here if my parents didn't give birth to like, yeah, there's just, yeah. it. Where, do you, where, where did you ever actually exist in your own power, in your own will to do your own thing? And yet here, like you said, that, that really cool uh, practice of reaching out to people that you trust and saying, how do you see me getting that feedback from people who love you? Such a wise thing to do. And yet it felt counterintuitive because it's right. like, no, I should just be able to, or to, to engage a coach or to, you know, take spiritual direction or to mm-hmm. share honestly with the community because we're, we're, we're not kind of wired to do that because we're told, no, you shouldn't need that. You should just be able to do the thing that you can't do. And you just need to keep on working on it. And maybe if we figured out, then we would tell people, oh, I was struggling with this, but I overcame it. Yeah. And I think that just makes us all pretty isolated and struggling, afraid to seek support. Exactly. Yeah. Something you just said there, uh, just stuck out to me. It was, um, you know, over overcoming, um, I think that we can overcome like the mental game sometimes, but it's a lifelong battle. Mm-hmm. I mean, this isn't going away for me. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like this um, comparison game or a lack of confidence. I will struggle with this the rest of my life. Um, I, as I become a mother, as I raise a, a child, as I go through life or um yeah, these will be things that I constantly battle with. And so I think if I were to even just like put that out there to anybody who has their one thing that they're like, gosh, I just struggle with this and I want to overcome this. Like, yeah, like there are ways to, to help that whole mental, emotional game and cope with it, but it will be there. And, you know, you, you and the reliance on Jesus and the people and the support around you, that's, what's going to get you through, uh, being able to fight through that. And I, you know, it's bringing me back full circle to something that you brought up at the beginning of this, when you're talking about when you really went all in and your relationship with Jesus and that idea of surrender was something that was right. thematic junior year of your high school. And I think sometimes we're taught this concept of surrender means that, you know, you just give it all up, whatever it is and, um, stop trying to do it on your own. And, and, and then Jesus can do it for you or, or something like that. And I'm just starting to wonder about that in, in my mm-hmm. spiritual journey. And I'm wondering if another word that might be useful whenever we think about the idea of surrender is, is acceptance. Oh, um, I love that. Yeah. That maybe there are things about ourselves that we've been struggling against and we've been at war against, and we've been trying to fix, and we've been trying to overcome and we're judging ourselves and we're full of shame and we're, and just that, that struggle. 
And maybe the invitation from Jesus is to accept this is true about me right now. Mm -hmm. This is something that this is a burden I'm carrying. And to just have a moment where you just accept that and you stop the struggle and then you open yourself up to how Jesus wants to meet you there and how he wants to meet you through the people in your community. This isn't a form of acceptance because I'm people can totally misunderstand me if they want to, (laughs) where you just say, this is just how I am. And this is just who I am. Don't change me. (laughs) Right, right, right. That is not, that is not what I'm talking about. Yeah. What I'm talking about is that honest observation of this is where I am. This is what I'm contending with. And I haven't been able to overcome it in my own strength. Hmm. And to have some grace with yourself and then to, to lean into Jesus, to say, what are you, what do you want to do with this? What do you want to do about this? And take that next step. Um, realizing that it might not mean that it just disappears. Mm -hmm. And, and, um, so you said that, that you like that, how does that line up with kind of where you're at or what you're thinking? Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. You bring up surrender again, because, um, you know, the way that I've thought about surrender is like, okay, you free fall, you're like free falling. I think of like a movie scene almost where you're just like dropping from like somewhere and you're just like free falling in the air, waiting for something or somebody to catch you. Um, as if there will be, you know, a final destination that you kind of hit, hit the bottom. Mm -hmm. Um, but I really love what you had to say about acceptance and accepting, um, who you are and how, uh, God has made you and also the struggle at the same time, because there's beauty where those two meet. And Mm -hmm. who knows if that's a final destination where you hit the bottom, (laughs) you know, Mm -hmm. um, I think that again, it continues through our life and, um, I think the way that God has designed this life has been for us to help people along the way that also um, might be going through some of the same things. So if you learn to accept like who you are in those moments, and then you learn to surrender to God at the same time in that moment, perhaps you can be aware more of the people in your life that are um, comparing themselves or are lonely or feel like they don't have anything to offer. Um, I just wonder what would happen. I I certainly think that when we learn to accept ourselves and to trust that Jesus was going to heal us and walk with us and redeem us and rescue us and, and his wisdom, then that opens us up to have grace with other people who like, like you just said, but if I am struggling with myself then I'm probably more likely to struggle against and want to resist people who remind me of that part of myself. If I'm lacking for myself, I'm probably not going to have any overflow of grace for people who touch that tender spot of me. And what a beautiful gift it could be that if we would trust Jesus so much that even our own mishaps and mistakes don't throw us off. They, They don't make us hate ourselves. They don't send us into a shame spiral. But really what they do is they break us open up a little bit more to, to have more love and more grace and more forgiveness for the people that we encounter. Cause we're, we're, we're in the same battle. We're on the same, um, mm-hmm. you know, we're, we're up against things as human beings and we all have unique struggles, but we're, we're touching, you know, we're bumping up against mm-hmm. each other. 
And what I love about you, Brooke, is you have such a gracious and generous spirit. And because of the way that God wired you, because you are so aware of how hard it feels to, to feel like you're not, you don't belong, or you're not the center, or you're not the special one, or, or, or whatever, because you have been in your feeling through that space gives you such a special perspective and such a loving disposition that you take with you through through the world and it's one of my favorite things about you oh well thank you I appreciate that so much it's yeah (laughs) I don't know how to receive compliments sometimes you know but thank you I I do really appreciate that and that's a perfectly good way to receive a compliment there you go (laughs) Brooke, just as we wrap up, you know, we've been talking about what has Jesus done for you? What is there anything Jesus has done for you lately that you just want to share to to wrap up our podcast episode this week? Something cool or interesting or just something that's on your mind that you're grateful for? Yeah. You know, I alluded to this before, but um, I'm becoming a mom really soon here. And I think that Jesus is already teaching me um, new new ways to, uh, love (laughs) new ways to shepherd new ways to be me. I think that I'm learning more about myself as I even enter uh, motherhood and I, my child is not even born yet. And so I think I'm being uh, a little bit surprised by, um, some of my more tenderness that is coming out, um, Mm -hmm. of myself. And so I just think like, God, uh, God change, like, not that you change along the way, but God reveals more of who you are as life continues and as you're obedient, um, to, to him. And so, yeah, I think for me, what I'm learning right now is I, God's revealing more of who I am and it's a journey and it's exciting and, uh, it's a little scary, but here I am. Here you are. Brooke, to wrap up this podcast, give me just a manifesto, like, what have you like Jesus has been working with you to to work through this lack of confidence and this misunderstanding and um like self-deprecation who are you what are you what are you good at what are your gifts let's let's and let's testify about how God made you to wrap up okay so um first and foremost I am pretty loyal I'm a I'm a I love uh loyalty I love being committed to my people um, it's so important to me that if you are somebody in my life that, um, not that you've just invested in me, but I just want to radically love you. And if I feel a connection and, um, I- I'm going to be there, I'm going to be committed to you. So there's that. Um, I also love to be very, like, I'm a very prepared person. I'm, I love schedules. I love lists. I love organization. Um, my hospital bags are already packed. <laughs> I've got so many lists of things to still to, to do before, you know, I give birth and all those things. But, um, I, I have a lot of joy in my life. Um, I can be a good listener. Um, I also, I'm trying to think what else I, are you said you're a joyful, loyal yeah. listener organizer. Yeah. <laughs> Shepherd, yes. nurturer, can't forget Shepherd, them. nurturer, valorous. I love the word valor. Valor is one of my favorite words. It's literally tattooed on my arm. <laughs> so I'm a woman of valor facing danger. And I 
I'm going to commit to be brave in the face of whatever danger comes my way. So. Yes, you are. And I'm, I'm with you every step of the way. I believe all those things and I see it in you um, in your leadership and in your friendships and, and I know your motherhood, uh, you're going to be such a blessing to your, your little one who's coming soon. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks for being on the show this week. Thanks, Erica. It was a pleasure. Well, thanks again for joining us for another week of the Holy District Podcast and for being a part of this community. I'd love to invite you to take a next step with us. You can do that by following us on social media, on Facebook and Instagram at Rediscover Sacred. Message us there. Let us know that you are listening. You can also find us on our website, holydistrict.org. There you can learn more about what we're up to and how the Holy District might intersect with you and your life's purpose. You could also reach out to one of our pastoral team to set up a spiritual direction session. We would also love it if you just stopped by one of our gatherings. You can learn more about that on our website as well. But whatever you do, just know that you are loved, you were made the way you are on purpose, and that we are so glad you're a part of what we're doing here. We'll talk to you next time. The Holy District is a growing network of people in the United States who are finding creative ways to live integrated, Jesus-centered lives in our communities, with our communities, and for our communities. We're dedicated to rediscovering the sacred in the everyday spaces where we already live, work, and play, and we're so glad that you're a part of this community. Pardon.